0: Welcome to Better Call Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Eric. Uh, yeah, you might be surprised not to hear Aaron tonight, um, but we've got Eric in, in his stead. Aaron's out of town. Uh, A- Eric, what is, what is your history with Better Call Saul?
1: Have you seen all of it, or is this your first episode? What's going on? <laughs> I hope it's not my first episode. <laughs> I'd be very confused. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. I've, I've seen the whole thing. Uh, loyal listener of the Better Cast Saul podcast from episode one. All right. So uh, I'm very excited to be a part of this. I'm basically like a Ron Light, or In- a Ron or diet a Ron, caffeine free a Ron. <laughs> In what that's, way? I'm curious. Well, my beard's a little smaller. That's true. So yep, that's 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 most of the difference.
0: <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of this episode? Uh, 301
1: Mabel, by the way. Yeah, 301 Mabel, directed by Vince Gilligan, I believe. Yeah. Um, I thought this episode was very interesting for a first episode of a season. Um, and I, I'll hark it back to my comment earlier. I feel like this show is all in on the strong character performances of the, the great actors who are on the show and the very intricate kind of emotional connections between those characters Mm -hmm. if you were someone who was like hey maybe i'll check out better call saul and you walked in on this episode i think you think it was like the most boring thing you've ever seen (laughs) in your life however knowing all of these characters and knowing where they're at i I thought it was a great kickoff to the season and it it was a great set piece uh you know for for season three of the show
0: yeah i i think um I, i agree with you there you know it's it's not that the show is necessarily slow. I mean, it it kind of is slower than Breaking Bad, which mm-hmm. um, you know most shows are. Uh, but there's there's something about it where this kind of just felt like the natural next episode, like maybe a two eleven, right? Like season two, yeah. episode eleven. It wasn't. It didn't have like this kickoff for the season that was a big bang. It was just kind of. You know, here's here's the natural events as they would occur, and it does set up some interesting stuff with you know Chuck's plan and um and Mike's plan and all this stuff. But it it really just feels like a continuation and not like a brand new season.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, it literally starts. I mean, and once we get past the opening scene with Gene, it starts. Yeah. During the end of last season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it is just a just a straight pickup, which is. Which is good. Um, I did love the ending of last season, and I I, we'll get into it because I know that you and Aaron had some reservations about the um, about the importance of the of the tape recording. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I I do think they addressed that in this show. But um, but you know the end of last season was great. You know Chuck hitting his head. uh, That that dynamic between Chuck and and Jimmy, um, I thought was. It's just really the crux of the show. Chuck's still a huge asshole, Mm -hmm. which is great. Um, Yeah, I mean, overall, very, very excellent. And then transposed on top of that relationship between Chuck and Jimmy, you have Mike's completely different storyline, which has absolutely nothing to do with Jimmy at all. Yeah. So you're basically watching two different shows. And I think that dynamic is so incredibly interesting in today's television landscape you have an hour-long drama with two completely different unrelated stories in it that might at some point sync up but you know that because of Breaking Bad that they're not going to fully sync up they're probably not going to fully sync up Mm -hmm. I think it's a really brave move and it's kind of in my view Vince Gilligan saying hey I made one of the greatest shows of all time now this is my sandbox and I get to really experiment (laughs) and it's still paying off which is awesome
0: yeah and I I do appreciate that it you know even since season 1 it has had a very different feel than breaking bad even though mm-hmm. all of the the tell the telltale signs of it being in the same universe are there you know the, the a lot of the camera work is similar um mm-hmm. but but the pacing is not and you know as much as you love kind of the pacing of breaking bad it is almost refreshing in a weird way not to mm-hmm. have it try to be exactly the same
1: you know yeah, well, I know that during the um, preview cast, you specifically mentioned uh, that you thought this show, especially in the montage sections, uh, kind of slowed down in the first two seasons. Yeah, and yeah. it was and it was kind of a major gripe of the first season it was especially like, especially in the first, hey, this yeah. kind of feels like filler, right? And this episode had a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we got we had like ten minutes of of Mike ripping a car apart,
0: <laughs> right? And then ten minutes of him figuring out how to use
1: a transmitter, right? Right. And, you know, 10 minutes of him quietly sitting in a parking lot saying, hey, I need to order this one thing. Uh-huh. Uh What is this thing? I don't know. Uh, you know, this like conversation, this kind of convoluted conversation. Great payoff at the end of that, but it was, uh, you know, a lot of montages. I think that this script, an hour long show is- was probably somewhere around 30 pages because it was like Mike takes <laughs> car apart, Uh-huh. you know, so uh, I just wanted to kind of see engage how you felt those scenes came across because it was something specifically that you uh, had addressed in the preview cast.
0: Yeah, I think I'm
1: settling into the
0: rhythms of Better Call Saul. Um, mm. it, it was definitely a shock in season one when they were kind of, you know, taking taking their sweet time about certain things. And I yeah. think much like Mike, I've become a much more patient person. Um, uh-huh. I, I'm able to sit at a window and eat pistachios, sit at my my screen, <laughs> watch Mike eat pistachios while I eat my pimento, and uh just enjoy it, you know? Um so I, I really actually like this episode a lot because yeah. of because of those things.
1: Well yeah, and that's and that's kind of the great thing that Villigan has earned, right? Like yeah. he you're willing to sit through this giant mystery of the gas cap for presumably 25 minutes of the show, 30 minutes of the show, uh, because you know that Villigan's going to pay it off. Like, he's he's earned that trust from the audience, and that's why I think it's cool. That's why I think this is that kind of sandbox for him, because now he's able to stretch and do things that you wouldn't be able to do on a normal show. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't think a lot of people are going to sit around and watch Mike eat pistachios for, like, two or three (laughs) minutes, you know? Uh, Right. but, But... Villigan's almost earned a patience from the audience, and that's something that's really respectable.
0: He has because it always feels like he's asking the same questions that you as an audience member are asking right um it's he he's never he's never doing something for the sake of getting the plot to the point where he needs it It, it always feels like the plot comes naturally from the characters. Whereas mm-hmm. some lesser shows that I've been watching recently <laughs> don't do that and and you can tell it feels artificial, whereas everything that these shows do feels totally natural
1: to me, yeah, and you have there's always some fun little geeky technical sciency thing, yeah. too, which right. is always interesting and fun,
0: yeah, uh okay, why it sounds like we both like the episode. why don't we get into yeah. the recap? Uh, we start off with Gene, who's back in the mall. He's opening the Cinnabon. He goes mm. on his lunch break where he sees a kid who's stolen some stuff. Uh, Gene rats him out, and then he feels terrible about it, and he goes back to work, and he collapses.
1: Yeah. Uh, this this scene made me sad. In what it, way? For who, I guess? It's tragic, dude. I mean, this is – it. it makes almost the rest of the season. It's like this huge looming shadow. You know, it's – it's almost it's almost reminiscent of the looming shadow that looms over all of us as humans, right? Oh boy. Nobody gets out of this thing alive, you know? And right. so all of the fun things that we love about Jimmy and that we love about Saul leading up to him eating a cold sandwich out of a Kansas City Royals lunch box uh-huh. in the middle of a shopping mall in Omaha, <laughs> Nebraska. It's just like really yeah. depressing. And, and, uh, him working in a Cinnabon and like, mm-hmm. no, 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 uh, knock on Cinnabon workers. You, you're doing the Lord's work, but <laughs> it's just, it's sad to see Jimmy in this state of affairs so late in his life.
0: It is. And you know, in the first two seasons, it's comically sad, right? Like yeah season one, it's, it's like, Oh, Oh, great job guys. Like you nailed that. This is a reference to, to breaking bad. When he, mm-hmm. he talked about this, like perfect then in season two you know he gets stuck in the the trash room overnight and and he's so just like matter of fact about it um and he's kind of in a prison of his own making which is you Mm -hmm. know true of season two as well um but i think in this season it starts to finally sink in what what a sad existence this guy has you know um it's yeah sure going home and and pouring yourself a drink and watching your old commercials is pretty sad but this is his his day-to-day life, at work, mm-hmm. at home, everywhere. Uh, and, and you know what kind of person he wants to be and the stuff he wants to do, but he can't.
1: Yeah, he's just got a huge barrier to him because he was part of a gigantic criminal empire with a bunch of bodies buried yeah. <laughs> in the desert. That'll do it. Um, yeah, that, that'll that do it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just kind of sad, and it, it almost makes me hate Walt more. Mm-hmm. Like I was I I went on the went on the podcast uh with with Aaron a couple weeks ago and we talked about the Breaking Bad movie that had been produced that those two French guys made. Yeah. And one of the things that I came away with is that you know during Breaking Bad I was always a big Walt apologist. Sure. Like I was always rooting for Walt. I never liked Hank. I was like, you know, it's it's the Scarface thing. Like, you know, in the fictional universe you can root for the bad guy, right? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, and in watching kind of the condensed version where they just bring together all of the, not even all the terrible shit that Walt does, just kind of like his arc and how he betrays his family and all this stuff. I came away from watching that two hour movie being like, oh, I get it now. I get why people don't like Walt. (laughs) Like he's, he's a, he's an asshole and he's a bastard. And yeah, he is. This, um, this almost makes me hate Walt more that like his shit led to Jimmy McGill or Saul Goodman, you know, turning into Gene in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And, you know, its I love the way it's shot. I love the black and white. It's its beautifully done. Um, but these scenes at this point have made me really, really sad because it's basically like, uh, you know, it's, it's a problem with the show in general. And I, I'm not saying this is necessarily a problem problem, but it's something that they have to wrestle with, mm-hmm. is that they have this extended timeline. You know, Mike's not going to die in Better Call Saul. Right. Uh, Saul not gonna is going to get out alive as well, presumably. Uh, at least Saul is. Maybe Gene won't. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're wrestling with all of these timelines and all of these destinies they've already set for these characters, and like, how do you do that in an interesting way? Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, it's it just kind of makes me sad to see. Uh, where Gene ends up and it, it almost tarnishes where he's at now because it doesn't matter what success he has at this point he's going to be Gene in the future
0: yeah I I mean I I get the distinct impression you know that every decision they make on the show is with that in mind the the idea yeah. that they're writing to something here and you know even down to the comment from from I think it's the Navy captain um, mm. about, Air Force it's Air Force okay yeah um, from from the air force captain who, you know, says the wheel's going to turn, and I get the distinct impression that that's Gene. You know, it's it's yeah. not that the wheel's going to turn on Saul tomorrow, but eventually he gets mixed up in the wrong stuff and he gets taken down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's that's the theme of the whole episode. Yeah. Um, that and batteries.
0: Yeah, and I really think that's going <laughs> to be the theme of this season. You look at like the key yeah. art, um, mm-hmm. where you can see. Saul kind of painted in white stripes, and you know he's got the paintbrush, the roller in his hand. it very much looks like he's in prison garb uh mm-hmm. that that trap that he's setting is tightening around himself with every
1: <laughs> minute right that that picture it always reminds me of the mentos commercial. Do you know what I'm talking uh, about here? I vaguely recall yeah. this, okay. there was a mentos commercial. <laughs> In the 90s, uh-huh. where there's, you know, these Mentos commercials where, like, something bad happens and then they make, turn lemon lemons into lemonade. Yeah. Like, this guy was sitting on a park bench in a suit and then uh, finds realizes that the park bench was fr- freshly painted. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So he looks at the back of his suit. And it's got these white stripes all over it. And instead, the way he turns it into lemonade is he rolls all over the wet bench and now has a pinstripe suit. Perfect. Yeah. And that's all I could think of when I look at Saul <laughs> in that. So I guess the wheel turning, also, Mentos freshness, you know? <laughs> right. Mentos fresh and full of life. I'm pretty that's sure. That's what I think of when I see that. They
0: were going for both of those things. I think so. Uh, Okay, then we we come back from the cold open and we pick up right where we left off last year. Kind of from a different perspective here, we're shooting it through this space fabric or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, Jimmy tries to smooth things over with Chuck by reminiscing over a book in Chuck's library that he read to him as a kid. And Chuck immediately smokes out the plan and tells him that he'll pay. He'll pay. You broke the law, you'll pay.
1: Yeah, I mean, was it even a plan though?
0: Uh or was Jimmy I mean just Jimmy's always to relate to his
1: brother on a human level.
0: I don't think so man. I think Jimmy's always conning, you know. Hmm. Always be conning. That's his philosophy and <laughs> Chuck knows it. I guess so, but also like And he kind of looks like he's been caught once Chuck, you know, hits him with that.
1: Yeah, I mean he does bring it up later though when he's talking to Kim he says, you know, Chuck was like a human being for a second <laughs> right. today. Yeah. Um I don't know. I like to believe that—because cause Jimmy went over there to confess to Chuck, mm-hmm. to stop Chuck from being—from uh, from going, like, insane, right? Yeah. I mean, Chuck was basically in the midst of a nervous breakdown, and so Jimmy went over there to try to console him and get him out of that. I think that there is a fundamental love for his brother that Jimmy has. Oh, sure. And—, and you know, I, I you know talking talking about old memories. I, I don't think that. I don't know. It's it's just funny because you know Jimmy doesn't know about the tape recorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy doesn't know that Chuck has an ulterior alter- motive to this whole thing. He thinks that Chuck was just, you know, going through one of his phases. And so yeah, I don't know if fair. the motivation's there for Jimmy to try to con him into doing anything. Yeah, you you, m- know? you might be right about that. Um, the, the guy who
0: definitely is playing the con here is Chuck. I mean, Chuck Mm -hmm. is, (laughs) what an elaborate con this is. The amount of work that it takes to put up that much foil in your house (laughs) and then take it all down with his insane method, this role,
1: this left, right, Mr. Miyagi shit. That's the kind of guy Chuck is though. I mean, Chuck Uh is a, he's a sadomasochist in terms of detail. Yeah. Like he's the type of guy who would love to find a needle in a haystack. Yeah. He's it's like gimme a give me a fucking haystack, man. I'm diving in there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's Chuck. That's a that's a great character, ter- characterization of his character. For sure. But that, that that moment where he looks at Jimmy and he says, I don't don't forget what I or I won't forget what what went on today and you will pay. Yeah. God, what an asshole, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, okay, I'm getting the distinct
0: impression that you Hate Chuck much more than you feel, or you feel like Chuck has wronged Jimmy much more than the other way around. Absolutely.
1: Okay. I mean, Chuck has been—he wants to pigeonhole Jimmy mm-hmm. as a fuck up, and I think that that is part of Chuck's, um, part of Chuck's identity mm-hmm. is that he is the golden child and Jimmy's the fuck up. So when Jimmy becomes a lawyer, Chuck is like, are you serious? I can't believe you became a lawyer. I can't believe, you know, you're the monkey with a machine gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you with a law degree is a monkey with a machine gun. When Jimmy gets the, the good lawyer job at the great firm, mm-hmm. um, that he also just can't believe it. Like, he he wants to keep Jimmy pigeonholed into this, you are a terrible person. Now, the issue with that is that at his core... Jimmy is. I mean, Jimmy's a con man. Yeah, he's not a lawyer.
0: He he has done something certainly to deserve that reputation and that that view
1: of him. You know. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, Jimmy's the guy who, you know, freaking bring brought Chuck his food every you know week or whatever. Uh-huh. You know, fulfilled his grocery bills and all of this stuff, and and is the one who didn't have him committed when people were like, "Yeah, we need to commit him." you know he wouldn't sign the papers to get chuck committed yeah I, don't, I mean there's a fundamental sibling you know love that jimmy has for chuck mm-hmm. and even though he has screwed him over i mean oh, yeah. the whole mesa verde thing was <laughs> definitely was there to screw chuck over and i actually loved i loved it yeah um but well, you know here's what they're doing
0: th- they're they're doing the exact same thing that you described earlier with Walt, mm-hmm. um, where you, on first viewing, rooted for the bad guy, um, yeah. and, and you you didn't realize that you were even doing it. I think they're playing at the same thing with Jimmy. You know, we, uh-huh. we know that Saul is like this, you know, flim flam man, and that that Jimmy is eventually going to turn into Saul, and, and it has right. kind of always been Saul. And mm. and we're they're just pushing our buttons and seeing how far along the trail we will follow Saul, before right. we give up on him. You know,
1: but and it, why they, do we have to give up on him? That's the thing. Like yeah, the answer may Walt, be zero, like never. Yeah, well, like Walt, Walt, was, Walt turned into something terrible. We know what happens to Jimmy, mm-hmm. and while well, yes, he aids and abeds a criminal empire that. Is pretty horrific. He he's he's never the guy who pulls the trigger. Yeah, he's he always tries to pump the
0: brakes a little bit mm-hmm. um, when things get too serious. I, I feel you Absolutely. on that. But I think they're playing that same game. Like maybe not necessarily with just Jimmy, but like the relationship. Like who is the bigger asshole here mm-hmm. between Chuck and Jimmy? And that's that's something I think they danced around and did a really good job in season two with because they were yeah. both just committing egregious sins against each other. <laughs> uh, but yet, I always see everyone cheering Jimmy and booing Chuck, you know? Where, well, that's because... And I, I understand it. I understand the sentiment. It's just, I don't think Jimmy gets enough uh, hate for the stuff that he's done. Well,
1: he's a flim-flam man. Uh-huh. And he, there is the thrill of the con that he loves. Sure. You know, yeah. he loves that... I snuck onto a military base and shot a commercial for myself. He loves that. Yeah. That's, that's the fun part of Jimmy. But then the other thing is here, like, when he does betray Chuck, he does so in service to Kim mm-hmm. because Kim was fucked over. Mm-hmm. Like, he's doing this stuff for the people that he loves, and I think that gives a certain nobility around it, whereas Chuck is doing all this stuff sure. motivated simply by petty, you know, um... Insecurity at having his brother Say he's a lawyer You know He thinks he earned all this stuff And Jimmy can't earn it And that's part of his identity And and therefore It's all kind of motivated by You know Pettiness And that's where I think the divide comes in Right And I
0: largely agree. I I think there is another shade to Chuck though, which is the, I I don't know, Aaron and I, Aaron and I have had this argument before. Um, We in fact Mm -hmm. had it in the season two wrap up um, or the two ten episode. So if if you want to hear me uh, (laughs) iterate through all the points on where I think Chuck is uh, just as big of an asshole as Jimmy is or vice versa, you can go Mm -hmm. listen to that one. But uh, yeah, I I feel you. I understand why, come down on jimmy's side and ultimately i think i do too uh i just don't want to overlook the stuff that jimmy does entirely
1: yeah but that's the fun thing man bad people are fun to watch that's That's true bad people are in shows speaking of bad people (laughs) yeah uh there's mention in the scene of
0: of some like grandma or great aunt davenport or something Uh uh-huh do you you think we're gonna get another prequel eventually with (laughs) with grandma davenport reading to the school children while the titanic goes down I love it. We could call it "Don't Fuck with Davenport." <laughs>
1: Great, yeah. <laughs> she's 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 an Irish grandma who uh-huh. catches catches a ticket to the new world on the uh, on the <laughs> oh, brand. Wait. I think you could you could definitely me- meld it with with the actual movie Titanic. I think that we have a lot going on here. I like a Villain James Cameron mashup. There we go. Yeah,
0: I wonder how they Co-produced. would work together. Yeah, get one of the <laughs> nicest guys in Hollywood together with one of the hardest to work for guys. Mm-hmm. See how that goes. All right, see how that goes. Uh, let's move on to Kim. She's finishing up with a client when Jimmy returns to the office. Um, afterward, Kim tells him that most of his clients are hers now, and because mm-hmm. he wasn't around, and Jimmy's less bothered about that than he is by the relationship problems that he's having with Chuck currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is a really good scene you know um it it gives us some insight into i guess more insight we've had this this view of how jimmy feels about his brother you know he does look up to him he does want chuck to respect him um mm-hmm. but you can really feel feel the weight of it in this scene
1: yeah and and also you could see the the strain beginning between kim and jimmy it's yeah, already sure. happening we all knew it was going to happen it's starting to yep. happen here this this working together dynamic is going to be stressful for both of them
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's a terrible idea um uh, i i i forget why kim even goes for it
1: well i think doesn't... she just
0: wanted out of hhm
1: yeah she wanted out of hhm she was under the thumb of uh hamlin is that his name and Howard, yeah Yeah, you know, she wanted to do her own thing. She got Mesa Verde, and they got a dentist office. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, All right, let's move on to
0: Chuck playing Jimmy's confession for Howard. Uh, Howard seems to be super disappointed in Chuck (laughs) because, well, A, super disappointed in Jimmy. I feel like his world has been flipped upside down. But also in Chuck, because this can't be used as evidence, uh, and he doesn't see the point of it. But Chuck has a plan.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple things here. First off, Chuck basically goes through all of the doubts that you and Aaron had at the end of last season and addresses all of those. Basically, like, you can't use yeah. this in court. You can't use this with Mesa Verde. Mm-hmm. You know, this this tape is, doesn't really mean anything. What are you supposed to do with it? Which is a right. question that's on a lot of people's minds. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a couple things here that I think are very interesting. The first is that uh chuck goes to hamlin with this so mm-hmm. how is he going to bring hhm into this thing with jimmy because he, he doesn't have any reason right. to go to him with it right
0: yeah no that's a that's a good point so
1: maybe why he just he to wants to that. prove yeah.
0: Yeah. that's that's the first question i have i mean he might just want to prove to howard that jimmy's an asshole right yeah um Because Howard's never seen it that way, and I'm sure they've discussed privately, like, Howard's actual feelings about Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Always kind of thought he was a hard worker, a hustler, a good guy. Um, Maybe Howard, maybe Chuck's just
1: proving to him he's not. Yeah, but at the same time, the only reason, well, I guess it's not the only reason Chuck is standing there, because Chuck was faking. (laughs) But, I mean, uh, uh, Howard knows that. Jimmy went over there To try to get Chuck To snap out of this Funk that he was in And, and help him after his Getting hit in the head I mean mm-hmm. it's, uh, The other part of this And this is the other question Is Is Howard actually um, Surprised by this And the dynamic that he has with Chuck We know Is that he has to coddle Chuck All the time yeah. Because Chuck has the ability To basically sink the firm Whenever he wants Mm-hmm and so he's gone through a long history like what he did with Kim putting her in the, you know, basement, a long history of doing things at Chuck's behest uh even if it was against his own wishes. And so does he actually think Jimmy's an asshole because of this or you know the hmm. scene it, it raises a lot of questions and and obviously the biggest question is what is Chuck going to do with this recording? Yeah.
0: And we only see a small portion of that plan unfold by the end
1: of the episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what what,
1: what, what portion was that?
0: Uh, The portion where he quote-unquote accidentally plays the
1: tape for Ernie. Oh, so you thought that was an accident? Oh, yeah. Oh, I I mean, I thought that was an accident. I didn't think that that was part of the plan. Wait, you just asked me if it was an accident, and I said, oh, yeah. No, (laughs) it was not an accident. It was part of the plan. Okay, I thought it was an accident. You think it's part of the plan. <laughs> right, right. Okay, we got that straight. <laughs> Cause,
0: uh, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there, but yeah, yeah. I, I think part of it has unfolded. I just
1: don't know to what end yet. I mean, the only thing that this tape has is... Wait, does Kim know about this? About the switching of the addresses?
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay. She knows that, that something was fishy, and Chuck laid it all out last episode, and I think Kim knew that he was telling the truth.
1: Okay. Okay. Because yeah, I mean that's the only thing that I think this tape has right now mm-hmm. is that you know, Kim is on a razor's edge and if and if if Chuck can separate Kim from Jimmy, which we know eventually happens, right? Or most probably happens unless there was some side relationship that was happening during all of Breaking Bad. <laughs> right, we know which which that Kim is cheap. out of the picture. So that could be a way that Chuck gets back at Jimmy is by getting Kim out of the picture.
0: Yeah. That's a possibility. The other thing is, um, you know, he wants Jimmy out of the, the practice of law. Maybe Mm -hmm. he can use this somehow as leverage to, to push him out. Uh, I know he said he wasn't going to, uh, you know, blackmail him that way or whatever. Yeah. Um, extort him. I think is the term he used. Uh huh. Um, but if he could maybe get Ernie to, to you know, tell Saul that, oh, Chuck's got this tape and I don't know how he's going to use it, but maybe Jimmy will react to it somehow and that will give Chuck the upper hand. I, yeah, I think that's what let's, he's hoping.
1: Let, let's curb this because I want to discuss that. So let's okay. curb this until we get to that scene. Sounds good. We go back to Mike in the desert where we
0: left him uh-huh. and he flees the scene. He dismantles his car and he eventually finds... A tracker inside the gas cap right um his, his car at home also has a gas cap tracker and he documents the model number and kind of leaves it where it is in his car that's that all takes place over the course of like 10 minutes um and there's a lot right. to talk about here i think yes um like a i want to talk about the the visuals of all this stuff because yeah. there are a couple things um they use a lot of really cool shots, which are kind of staples of Breaking Bad, like looking out, out of things um, mm-hmm. as characters are looking into them, which I know is like a Tarantino thing, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of looking out of the trunk of a car usually. But they use it here for an exhaust pipe. Uh, they look through the grill of the car. They do um, a couple of other things, like a, a time lapse with a moving camera, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Where they kind of just pan the camera up or, or they tilt the camera up. Mm-hmm. as they're doing a time-lapse, which has got to just take forever, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. The slowest-moving yeah, camera. Yeah, you just put it on a machine that, yeah. that does it. But yeah, it's... The, the whole thing... I mean, these guys can shoot a, a montage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they they can make this happen. And And I thought this was a great callback to... Or a great little almost inside thing for Breaking Bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we know that Walt had the tracker on his car. Like, there's a very, you know, prominent scene where Walt goes out and he's got his Chrysler 300 or Charger or whatever it is out in his driveway and he, you know, feels around the bottom and finds a tracker. So Mm -hmm. it was cool to see that kind of thing again of Mike getting out and then feeling around the bottom and trying to find the tracker. Also, these guys luck into amazing things. Like, last season it was the Hummingbird. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And this season is that awesome bolt of lightning. <laughs> that, oh, it's so cool! Yeah, that just hits perfectly. And and you know that could have been digitally put in there, but I I'm willing to bet that it was it was actual uh, lightning.
0: Yeah, I, I'd believe it. Um, yeah. I started listening to the Insider Cast. I haven't gotten through it yet, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm
1: sure they will mention
0: it if it was actually real.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, but, I mean overall just an amazing scene. Like it, like I said, and zero dialogue, really. I mean other than talking yeah. to the junkyard guy, um this is like 12 minutes of zero dialogue of yeah. just a dude taking a car apart and they're able to make that extremely interesting. I mean it could and have that's it, becoming could, a staple it could have been him mind. walking around and finding it you know immediately and then, you know, that right. could be it, but they turn this yeah. into a really
0: interesting scene. And it it says something. I, I think we all know who it is that put the tracker on his car. Yeah. Um, at this point, I don't know. We'll probably mention it at some point. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it, it gives us the impression that the person who did that is just as smart and maybe smarter or more clever than Mike. I think that's the thing that it, that it accomplishes as opposed to, like, you know, he reaches under the wheel well. Oh, here's a stupid tracker. Yeah. Dumbasses has put it in the wheel well. I knew it would be there. Uh-huh. Uh, it takes Mike all day to find this thing. Yeah. And only, it's only after he just kind of has a happenstance mo- uh, moment of realization that he's able to find it. So I-, I think it actually
1: works a lot better than if he were just to find it. Are we spoiling um, Breaking Bad on this podcast or not? Oh, yeah. We are? Oh, yeah. Is there... <sighs> This is all very interesting to me because in the same way that Saul is ends up as Gene, mm-hmm. we are watching Mike enter the path to his own demise. Right. Yeah. The path that leads him down to, you know, his his own death, which mm-hmm. is Another thing that's kind of sullen and kind of sad. Like, it's exciting, and it's great to watch him kind of figure this stuff out. And I love Mike in action. He's probably my favorite character on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Wow. But, okay. um, But it's kind of sad that we're watching the beginning of his demise. Yeah. It is. He doesn't it's, even know it, but we Yeah, do. exactly. It all started with a tracker.
0: <laughs> um, the other thing, like, you couldn't – can you imagine trying to find a tracking device on your car now?
1: <laughs> like they're so small i mean they could be anywhere anywhere well and we all carry around a tracking device in our pocket at all times that's true so. maybe that'd
0: be a good scene he doesn't realize it he's just the <laughs> old man with the technology he doesn't realize oh shit there's an app on my phone that's tracking me through <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it's, or, or it's just one of the 25 computers that's on your car that's probably why he yeah. drives old shitty You know, cars, the Caprice classic. Just because there's no no computers on it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, the one thing I noted, you know, is how gripping this scene is. This 10-minute chunk, like you said, with almost no Mm -hmm. dialogue. Even though, I I mean, so little is even happening, right? Yeah, nothing happens. Like you said, they could have done this in two minutes. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, he just figures out, oh, there's a tracker on my car, and I should leave it where it is. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and and that's the great thing about it, right? Is that that's that's another testament to this. This is why this show is special in general, is because mm-hmm. we have the toy box, we have the villagang Toy Box now, and they can do this. They can turn a scene that on any network show would be a you know two minute scene into a twelve minute montage, and it's still interesting and that's, important. That's what yeah. makes the show special,
0: for sure. Um, then we move on to the captain from the base, uh, (laughs) calls Saul out for deceiving them Mm -hmm. about his intentions and he tells Saul that he's going to take the ad off the air or there will be hell to pay, but Saul isn't giving in and the guy leaves angry. Right. And there is another nice little callback to Breaking Bad at the beginning of the scene where he's trying to, you know, usher this woman out the door, one of his clients and she just keeps talking about her garden and she eventually mentions that she has lilies of the valley in her garden, Uh which as, as you know, from breaking bad is what,
1: uh, Walt used to poison Brock. Yeah. So I thought that was a cool, cool little callback. Yeah. Nice little callback there. But the other thing about this, I mean, I don't think that this, if I had to guess, I don't think that we're going to see this air force guy again. And I don't think that this scenario is going to come back. Yeah. I think this, the point of this whole scene is for him to say the, say that line that the wheel is going to turn, yep, like that the air Force guy is there to say that line because that is going to be the theme of the season. Is the wheel turning?
0: yeah i don't I don't care to ever see him again, honestly.
1: Yeah, I don't think we will, but I, I do yeah. think that that's an interesting foreboding for this season. has Has, yeah. has Villigan said how long this show is going to go? Like, is this the last, uh, think this isn't the said, last season.
0: I think he said it'll go as long as it needs to go. Okay. Um, but I, I think at the beginning they thought it would be a shorter show mm-hmm. than Breaking Bad. And at this point, it feels like they're thinking about the same. Uh, I, I don't know about Breaking six Bad.
1: seasons of this. I'm thinking well, like well, maybe Well, I mean, four Breaking four Bad had really like good.
0: a, Breaking Bad had really five seasons, right? Like, yeah. the final one was split into two chunks, but. Uh, it was it was a shortened two chunks
1: Yeah, I mean all I'm saying is that The wheel is going to turn If that's going to be the theme for this season I don't think mm-hmm. Jimmy's going to be in a good place At the end of this season No,
0: no, I can't see that
1: being the case Yeah He's he's going to be worse off, I'm sure And I think that that's okay Like, I don't know if I need actually I mean it's funny because the show is called Better Call Saul mm-hmm. I don't know if I need Saul Goodman in this show I think he'll be there eventually though maybe but like what if just the last the last you know sh- scene of the entire show is Saul pulling up in his lincoln with the lawyer up license plate <laughs> and getting out and then walking into the law firm and then it pans up and there's an inflatable you know statue of liberty on top and that's the last scene is like him becoming Saul walking <laughs> through the doors you know if if you go into season
0: 1 and you say Hey guys, we've got this arc where it has nothing to do with Saul, yeah. and the only bit of Saul that you're going to see in this show is the last shot of the last season. People would have rioted, but I think <laughs> like no one would watch that show, right? Because right. they're they're tuning in. I oh, I love Saul. Saul's amazing. I want to see more of Saul. Right. But now we're invested in this Jimmy character, and I don't. While I don't think I need to see a ton of Saul in this show because Jimmy is so compelling. Yeah, uh, I still feel like I want at least a couple of episodes where Jimmy has fully gone to Saul territory. Gone full Saul. Yeah. Cause I mean Saul didn't just Saul was Saul before Breaking Bad. Clearly. Yes. He's yes, he's he well established in in his niche there. So yeah, that's true. If if we're depending on how closely we're bumping up against the Breaking Bad timeline, I think mm-hmm. we're gonna have to see a lot
1: of Saul. Well when does he show up in Breaking Bad? Is it season three? I think season season two, Two. it's early.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. He's got to be solved for a good amount of time if it's going to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's the next scene? uh, Mike
0: goes to, uh, he leaves work to go meet with the vet who gets him Uh another transmitter.
1: That's pretty much it. (laughs) Yep. That was a weird scene. The weirdest part about this scene is so, is there free parking overnight? Like I why don't does he think move so.
0: the parking stanchions up? I think he does it so no one will call and complain.
1: Okay, because I see. I think he's abandoning his post here. All right, that makes more sense. I was just like, why do they have a parking attendant if they leave free parking overnight? <laughs> right. Does, does it's it just make to any de- sense. deprive this old man of sleep. That's why, because <laughs> Mike doesn't like sleep. Hmm. As we'll yeah, see. I thought that was interesting. I think it's interesting to see the vet again. And I like what they did to remind you who that guy was. Like oh, they put the that puppy? dog comment in there just so you could be, oh yeah, that's the vet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I wonder if
0: I started in this scene wondering about what is gonna make Mike Gus's go to guy. Uh huh. And you know, it's no secret that the person who put this tracker on Mike's car here is Gus. Gus will be back this season. Uh it's everywhere. Do you think that possibly how well he evades the tracking and, and and maybe some other things along with that will be enough to impress Gus to kind of make him his go-to guy?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that I think that it's got to be something non-violent. I don't think -hmm. Mike's gonna shoot his way into Gus's, you know, cartel. (laughs) Say you're working for me now. Yeah, exactly. I I think that it's got to be. I mean, I I think he's gonna become impressed with the with the professionalism of Mike for one thing, because we all know Gus is a professional first. Mm -hmm. Um, and also his ruthless and genius tactics. Yeah, I I I think that they, they. I mean, they're a match made in heaven. That's why I'm very excited to see them come together
0: yeah i wonder you know we talked about jimmy turning into saul but that turn from from this mike to the mike that Mm -hmm. we know working under gus i mean it's not a big character change but it is like a big position change and i wonder what that part of mike's life looks like
1: yeah i mean i feel like he's already kind of gone through that arc a little bit Mm -hmm. um but yeah the mike arc is very interesting the question here that i have too is that are we ever going to see Mike and Saul together again, in this series? Because hmm. at this point they are on two very divergent paths. They are, and we know, we think we know at least from Breaking Bad that Saul never like doesn't know Gus directly. Mm-hmm. He knows a guy who knows a guy, and that right. guy is presumably Mike. So I guess I guess they would have to come together at some point, right? I think so. Again, yeah, and and Mike would have to. Let Jimmy know that he's working for Gus in some regard. Yeah, I think it
0: might revolve around like Ignacio and Hector potentially, mm -hmm. Um, because you know Saul does have more of a relationship with Ignacio than we've seen. I think. Okay, because there's a comment in Breaking Bad, like when Jesse and Walt take him hostage and have him out in the desert on his knees. He says, "No, it wasn't me. It was Ignacio." So. There's got to be some some stronger link there, and I think maybe that's an opportunity for them to come back together.
1: Yeah, you're right. I I mean, at this point, I would guess that a prediction would be that at the end of this season, Jimmy finds himself as Saul after a huge after the wheel turns, Mm -hmm. and maybe the next season is Jimmy getting in deep with the cartel as Saul. All right. I mean, that that could make a lot of sense. And then maybe Breaking Bad.
0: Maybe a shortened fifth season of Gene. I kind of yeah. want to
1: see, like, a lot more of Gene. Well, as long as he doesn't die, uh, I would love <laughs> to see – I mean, I don't know what his current state is. I don't know if he's had a panic attack or a stroke or a heart attack or – Frosted. His current uh,
0: state is frosted.
1: Or, yeah, maybe his blood sugar is really low. When you look to that frost, it's just passed <laughs> out. Um, you know, that sandwich was probably low low sugar. Um <laughs> So so I don't know what state he's in but I mean I would love it if honestly like the last two or three episodes of this show were Gene. Yeah. Yeah. And, that would that would feel like know. a
0: fitting close for the the you know trifecta of characters that he is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And yeah. I'm Yeah, there's just I mean, I guess the only so Walt knew that that he was going to Omaha for, because for some reason Jimmy was honest with Walt. Mm-hmm. uh jesse didn't know that right i don't think so but, but jesse's the only other guy who's presumably alive from breaking bad so maybe yeah. <laughs> it's a jesse solver that doesn't make any sense <laughs> no now, I, nope for,
0: scratch that they meet up in alaska and open a cinnabon. <laughs> <laughs> perfect uh all right let's move on to Paige, who is super impressed with the work that kim's been doing for mesa verde mm-hmm. Uh, She's also talking a lot of shit about Chuck. Right. And it makes Kim very uncomfortable, and she decides to take the paperwork back to double-check it. Right. Uh, And that night at the office, she's kind of agonizing over the punctuation, and you get the very distinct feeling that she is not comfortable submitting this paperwork with the crimes that she knows were committed for it to happen.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, the things that Chuck the things that rubbed Mesa Verde the wrong way about Chuck mm-hmm. were just Chuck, Chuck's own personality. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Spurred, of course, yes, by Jimmy's actions, but that's Chuck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of loved that scene, actually, because as a Chuck hater, I was <laughs> like, it's nice to see other people talking shit about Chuck. Right. Um, you know, it's just another thing, too, that showing, I also think that, you know, Kim is overworked. She said that she's overworked. She has more work than she can do. She's writing wills and handling a corporate, you know, the the legal, you know, goings on of a whole bank yeah. at the same time. That seems a little ridiculous. I think that we're we're starting to understand a little bit the gravity of the situation and that she doesn't have the bandwidth to pick up Jimmy Slack yeah for sure. and so this also kind of shows that that the the beginnings of the of the of the strains on the relationship.
0: oh, yeah, I mean, there are there are a lot of cracks showing here i uh, I just don't think any of what's happening is sitting right with Kim from you know him brushing his clients off and having yeah. her take them take his cases for him, um and do these wills. I, like, what is Jimmy doing during the days? He doesn't. As far as I can tell, he has one client who talks about her garden all the time.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, he had a, he had a waiting room full of people. I think he is, you know, he's an elder law guy. I think he was just out for the day, dealing with the Chuck stuff. Yeah, but um, most of those clients, but, you know, went to the Kim. world doesn't stop spinning just because Chuck yeah. and Jimmy are in another tiffy.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. I, do you think she's eventually going to submit this paperwork, or do you think? Her guilt will overcome her, and she won't be able to do it.
1: I hope not. I always hate that. I mean, she's got an amazing opportunity that she deserves and yeah. that was taken away from her because of corporate bullshit. And in the, at the end of the day, Kim deserves this. And she, so if she ends up sabot- self-sabotaging because of guilt, that's the kind of shit that I really hate <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in, in fiction. It's like, come on, man. Like She deserves this. She did earn it and she uh she should have it. But at the same time,
0: I feel like by going through with this, she's becoming complicit in this crime. And I do you think there's a chance that Jimmy accidentally gets
1: Kim sent to prison? Oh shit. Yeah, there's a, there's a definite chance that that happens. It's possible. I feel like
0: you know, everybody's yeah. talking about, "Oh, is she going to die?" Or whatnot, but I mean, she could just go to prison.
1: God, that would be awful. <laughs> it would be the worst. That yeah. would be the fucking worst. Yeah, um, that really shed some new
0: light on Jean's lunchbox, huh?
1: <laughs> you, you noticed? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot that Kim's from Kansas City, that's right? A, that's right. And he had the Kansas City Royals lunchbox. Yes, he did. Um, yeah, I, that's that's actually a really strong point. I mean, it does. It only makes her complicit if she knows about it for sure. And she does not know about it for sure. Right. So, oh, shit. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what the tape's for. Yeah. Chuck goes to her. Or Ernie goes t- to her. Or somebody goes to her. I'm I, i, I I'm not sold on this Ernie theory. But, <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> but we'll get to that. Um, uh, you know, Chuck goes to her, shows her the tape. Then she does some kind of confession that makes her complicit. Then she goes to prison. Then Chuck is the king of assholes.
0: Well, yeah.
1: Yeah, if he since came
0: to prison, even if it's, like, incidental, I don't care. Chuck, you're dead to me. Yes. That's strong, though. That's strong. That's a strong theory. All right. Maybe we can talk a little bit about Ernesto here because we've got a scene where Ernesto helps Chuck change the batteries in his tape recorder, and he... Mm -hmm quote-unquote accidentally hears Jimmy's confession and Chuck bullies him into silence. Uh, I got to say, I absolutely love the opening shot of this scene. <laughs> uh-huh. Did you notice? It's shot through the spoiler of Ernesto's car. <laughs> I I didn't notice that. Oh, it's so good. He's got this ridiculous, <laughs> like, uh, just pimped-out car, and uh-huh. it's got a gigantic spoiler
1: on it, and they shoot through the spoiler. I love it, man. It's one of my favorite things about the sh- about uh, Breaking Bad in general is that the cars that people drive are such big parts of their identity. Oh yeah, totally. It's like such a huge part. Like they they could make like a Mario Kart uh, version of game of this show of Breaking Bad, such Better Call Saul, and everybody could have like a big bobblehead and driving <laughs> around in their Aztec or that's you a know, good idea. small Honda Civic uh, or yep. you know whatever or
0: that that first car he's got the bouncing one.
1: Oh yeah, 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 Crunch. Yeah. Well, and then, uh, and then Saul could have you know he could have the Lincoln as Saul, or you could drive as Jimmy in the whatever. What, what was that? The S- Subaru? No, it wasn't a Subaru. It was a Suzuki Spirit or something.
0: Yeah, something yeah. like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I lo- I just love the cars, uh, in this but show. I, I
0: mean that's just you know indicative of the attention to detail they put into their characters because mm-hmm. the characters dress the way that that character's personality
1: suggests they should. Right. It's
0: not, it's never affected, you know, it's always just comes from who they are. I think that's, yeah, the there's best no way, way Waltz
1: polyester slacks are a good idea in New Mexico. No, no. It's gonna be a lot of swamp ass. <laughs> yep. <laughs> were we talking about Ernesto? <laughs> I
0: think we were. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, the other thing I noticed in this scene, um, Chuck's windows are wide open now. Chuck seems oh. to be like letting light in and he seems less and less bothered, other than, you know, actually handling electronics. Mm-hmm. He seems to be less and less bothered by this EM stuff as he as his plan kind of unfolds here. Interesting. I couldn't help. Yeah, but I mean they've that.
1: always used natural light. I guess they also use lantern light. Yeah. But there's always been a certain amount of natural light in the house just to show that all the lights are off. But I, I I didn't notice that there. So there's actually like the windows been... are a bit wider, and he's also like standing next to the window at the beginning, isn't he? Yeah. When he's taking down the foil. Yeah, I, th- I feel like he's been
0: he's been opening it up more and more gradually.
1: Yeah. Um, but all right. So let's get to this theory that you have around Ernesto. Okay. Yeah. So I'm ready to tear it apart.
0: All right. Let's do this. Uh, all right. So in this scene, I think what's happening is Chuck is setting Ernesto up he Mm -hmm. purposely had Ernesto change the batteries because he wanted it the the tape player to kick on and then he wanted to scold Ernie um and let him know that this is a very important thing that he shouldn't have heard uh and that's just going to eat away at Ernie and Mm -hmm. and he knows Ernie is Jimmy's friend right right um he he found that out when he hit his head earlier so I think what he's playing at here is trying to get this information back to Jimmy through Ernesto. Okay. And you can see it kind of at the end of the scene. He he has tricked Ernie, and Ernie has left, and then he kind of – a smile comes over his face, and he kind of flips his pin up in the air and catches it like he's okay. just, you know, just pulled one over on somebody.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean there's a couple things here that – um. That are interesting, right? Uh, one, yes, this is you know we know that Ernesto's going to go talk to Jimmy about this, right? The one thing though is that Ernesto doesn't know, doesn't have any context for this. Mm-hmm. Like he, the, the 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 segment that he hears on the tape recorder is short and out of context is just words, you know. Uh, um. I, well, I think that's I think why Chuck the, yells at him, so he'll know that it's.
0: Something he shouldn't have heard, and it's super important.
1: Right, but it's also, I think the only thing that Ernesto knows is that there's a recording of Jimmy. Saying something about the numbers, I did it. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, the one thing about this that that is strange is that presumably there were dead batteries in the tape recorder that he replaced, Mm -hmm. Or, or Chuck removed the batteries, I don't know. Well I that think... would mean that he would have to run down the batteries in order for that to happen, which is more electromagnetic waves, so that's one thing <laughs> okay uh, but yeah. he's able to man up on the electromagnetic wave
0: thing when when his he to reputa- fuck over Jimmy. when he's trying to fuck over Jimmy, yeah, he's done it yeah. before, you know he doesn't wear I the crinkle so. suit to the meeting with Mesa
1: Faraday. yeah i I guess so, I guess so um. Yeah, I mean I think the thing that we do know is that Ernesto's going to go to Jimmy at some point, right? Yeah. That that's been set up. Whether or not that was presumed or not or met, or was part of the machination of Chuck or not mm-hmm. that's to be seen. Okay. But um, I mean, it's just, you have you have a, you have a good theory there. All right. It could go either way though in in my book. Anything
0: else on that scene or shall we move on?
1: Uh I think we should move on.
0: Okay. We've got the final uh, arc here where Mike mm-hmm. figures out that the transmitter has a low battery function, um, an alert, where right. which he decides to use as part of his plan to essentially watch the watchers, track the trackers, you know? Yep. Who tracks the trackers? Answer, Mike. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he does this just in such a genius way. Yeah. Like, there were a couple of things... That I thought were going on that weren't going on. Because it that? took me a second to understand that he was running down the battery. Yeah, me too. Like, initially, I thought that he was hooking up the radio so that it, like, messed with the signal or something. Uh huh. Or that, like, if they got close, then the, this, the radio would get all fuzzy because the signal was somehow interfering with something. No, he's just running down the battery. That makes sense. And yeah. then I love the calculated way that he just. Grabs a chair. He does it obviously in the middle of the night, so that they could, so, so that he knows that they're going to come and change it out. He'll turns out turn off all the lights in the house so that he's presumably asleep, mm-hmm. and then he just goes out there and yeah, eats wh- his pistachios, and he's got his whole plan.
0: <laughs> uh, I I challenge anyone to find a scene in which Mike eats food that doesn't start with a P. <laughs> he's a pistachio really? pistachio and pimento man, as far as I can tell. That's uh, it. <laughs> let, let me. Real quick, run down the full plan here because I do agree it's like kind of hard to follow. It uh, is. Unless, unless you're really paying attention. So right here's the idea. Mike finds the tracker on his car, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he goes and he buys one just like it. And then he kind of just plays around with it and says, okay, what can I do here um, to, to turn this to my advantage? And he discovers right. this low battery alert. So he drains the battery on their tracker so that their low battery alert will come on. Right, and
1: and it's important because if he just took out the battery, then they would know that he found the tracking device. Right, right. So So he runs it down.
0: He runs it down to lure them in, and then he tosses it. He just throws that away. And he replaces that tracker with the one that he bought so that they will come. Seeing that low battery signal, they will come. They will replace the tracker and take it thinking that it's theirs. Mm -hmm. And then he will be able to track them because they now have his tracking device. Exactly. Uh, which is not dead. It actually has a full battery in it.
1: Yes. So it's... And presumably is going to lead them to Gustavo Fring. Right.
0: And he also removes, you know, they come and they replace the tracker, so he removes the tracker that they put in his car before he goes and tracks them so that they can't tell that he's coming.
1: Yeah. He also, you know, an important distinction here, he checks the range on the tracker too. Right. And the tracker basically can get within... If it's right next to the tracking device, it says it's, like, anywhere between 3 and 10 meters. Yeah. Right? So he knows that it's not super accurate, so that if he has it in the house, um, they'll, they'll just think it's in his car. Yep. So a lot of small things here that add up to a pretty interesting ending. And I love the ending that's just his taillights going off, ready to track these guys in the middle of the night. And he goes yeah. immediately. Yeah, he kind of has to, you know? Don't... Yeah, I guess so, unless the battery runs down. I guess, yeah, or, 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 or yeah, or they... Oh, well, yeah, presumably they would replace the battery, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think... Or they'd find out it wasn't the right tracking device. Right. Yeah.
0: I think they've got somebody constantly on Mike, Like, mm-hmm. not, not on his block, not in visual range, but certainly within tracker range at all times.
1: Yeah, that's something that he finds out, yeah. for sure, is that... Um, is that somebody's watching that tracking device at all times.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess he's got himself another stakeout. It's a man who
1: uh, I don't I don't think Mike ever sleeps. Ever. Well, no, this is the thing. If you only eat pimentos and pistachios, you <laughs> live till you're 150 and you never have to sleep. All right. This is this is the Mike diet.
0: I guess so. He needs to start a series of DVDs or something. Uh <laughs> cuz it's working for him. You know, he he stays well, I mean, your up all skin's night to go to
1: shit, but everything else works great. Oh, that's so mean. Uh your face will melt off. I mean, <laughs> have you seen the Saturday Night Live sketch with Kate McKinnon where she's like the the blobfish? No. I'm not saying that Mike looks exactly like blobfish Kate McKinnon, but they they're adjacent. Wow. He's blobfish adjacent is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, John John Banks. If you want to uh, do
0: some interviews, you know who to call here. Here, at yeah, exactly. Better Cast Saul.
1: This, this is uh, this is Eric. I'm not a normal host. I'm, I'm an asshole who comes out here and spouts bullshit. So, right, these guys are great, John Banks. If you want to come on and talk to them, <laughs> I will not be here. Oh, man. But I'd love to talk to you. I, I'm painting myself into a corner here. But that's the I'm thing. Painting myself on a park bench.
0: He's he is uh, off on yet another mission after a full night with no sleep. So he goes the whole day not sleeping. He comes home, he stays up all night and then he's off on a mission.
1: I think he just sleeps during the day. He's got nothing to do during the day. I don't think the man sleeps ever. All right. That's fair. I think that's all I got though. Mike Vampire confirmed.
0: <laughs> they don't sleep?
1: <laughs> Michaela,
0: vampires don't sleep. I didn't I guess I didn't realize that.
1: They don't know. They I guess they do sleep during the day, don't they? In coffins. Yeah.
0: Do they have to I though? I don't know.
1: What? Do they have to? Do they have to? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big vampire guy. Okay. <laughs> Neither am I. Uh tune into the True Blood podcast on Bald Moon network for more vampire talk. Yeah. Uh
0: you got anything else you want to talk about with this? I don't scene, let's get, let's get to some feedback. I want to see what other people have to say. Okay. Um we start off with Michael G in Seattle. He says, "Welcome, Eric." the big smiley face thank you fellow seattleite yes uh anyway do you guys have any theories on kim's future i personally think kim's fate is grim most likely ending in disbarment at best and death at worst one interesting route the writers could take to this end jimmy straightens his ways for a time commits to inflexible and by the book practice of law however for some reason and this is the part i haven't figured out yet this commitment leads to a series of events that leads to Kim being jailed and or hurt and killed ah oh, he's stealing my theories Yeah. after this happens he decides to not only return but double down on the sleazy lawyer character stick, resolve to abandon the black and white view of the law in favor of the grey kind of a half baked thought but
1: maybe there's something there uh, no I think there's totally something there I think we kind of broke it down earlier but I, I would say that Jimmy's done enough to get her jailed Uh, potentially yeah Yeah. Uh, At best, I think the fate
0: of Kim and Jimmy is a heated breakup. Like, right. At absolute best. That doesn't lead Mm -hmm. to like Kim's future being destroyed. (laughs) At worst, she's
1: dead. Yeah. Ah, Kim's such a good character, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's what you got to do. Right. I mean, you, you know, the good guys in these things tend to not have the best ends and that's, that's drama, man. It is. It is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I just hate... I mean, I like Kim so much, I hate to see Jimmy dragging her down into the muck, you know, like he wants to do <sighs> Yeah, you know, it's,
1: it's just the whole thing. Then on your rewatch of Better Call Saul, you'll be like, oh, now we watch Kim, the beginning of Kim's Demise. <laughs> like, it's right. just the whole thing. During, it's cyclical. <laughs> during Don't Fuck With Davenport, there'll be yep. <laughs> a
0: great-grandma Wexler. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Smoking cigarettes on the boat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You know, that that fire that took down the
1: Titanic. She said it. <laughs> the yeah, the fire. Right. Little known fact, it was actually a fire. The iceberg didn't do much damage. No, not much at all. All
0: right, Josh H. says, As everyone probably noticed, Gene carries his lunch in a Kansas City royal sack. Mm-hmm. Living in Omaha, just a couple hours north of Kansas City, I see plenty of Royals gear around, but it seems to be too much of a coincidence that Saul slash Gene would buy that particular lunch sack considering Kim wore a royal shirt and mentioned she was from northeast Kansas last season. Mm-hmm. Are Peter and Vince trying to tell us something about Kim's fate during or post Breaking Bad?
1: Like yeah, as in I mean, she's dead? I I I tend to think that there's there is one way that this can go at the end, and that's Gene reuniting with Kim
0: oh
1: give him something good to go out on or he goes and has his you know la la land moment where he goes and sees her eating dinner at home with her family through the window as he sadly drinks on the sidewalk or something i don't know (laughs) watching his Um, commercials yeah it's uh I don't know. I, the, I, the fact that he's in Omaha, the fact that she says she's from Northeast Kansas, and all this stuff. I, I think that there could be a future where Jim or where, where Jean meets up with Kim once again. Okay, after she gets released from a federal prison in Kansas.
0: Uh, he continues. Also, I'm not thrilled at the idea that we might have to wait until the premiere of season four to find out about Jean's fainting or death. Mm-hmm. You got death on the brain, Josh.
1: I gotta say, yeah you're probably (laughs) not wrong but you got death on the brain (laughs) well we saw more we saw more gene than just the premiere episodes didn't we uh no no as far as i know there's two scenes so far three now and they're all in the premiere episode yeah i don't know man i feel like i feel like that you know kind of foreshadowing right all this foreshadowing stuff like First season was Gene watching his Better Call Saul commercial, and the first season is basically Jimmy becoming a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Second season is, um, you know, Gene getting locked into in the trash room Mm -hmm. in a prison of his own making, Uh and then season two is kind of him getting set up in the prison of his own making. Mm -hmm. If season three becomes his demise, right? Yeah, so if season three is about the wheel turning and about uh basically the end of jimmy mcgill then this opening scene could be foreshadowing to that point because him not being true to himself leads to him having a stroke or whatever he has yeah uh with the frosting yeah um so that's that's, that's, that's an interesting, interesting it's it's going to be interesting to analyze that and see maybe what happens i mean i don't really care i mean i don't need to know i think three episodes in i'm going to completely forget that 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 gene storyline happened right uh i would like to know more i'd love to see more of gene but at the same time like i said it just makes me kind of sad yeah i mean they're definitely building something with those and i i think
0: whether it's you know just one at the beginning of every season or we're gonna have some Mm -hmm. larger arc with gene uh i think it has been effective like i've really enjoyed those scenes and it's given me an impression of who saul becomes eventually um, yeah where he ends up and i think that's probably the most important part of it absolutely no one gets out alive buddy nope jake says it's amazing to me that gilligan and company can make a scene about how to remove duct tape off a wall more entertaining than the walking dead can make a scene about zombies (laughs) shootouts or hand-to-hand combat Mm -hmm. that's what good character development is for it's what you lean on while setting up pieces to knock down later that scene worked because we knew Chuck as overbearing and an asshole and part of me thinks that Vince creates more and more typically boring scenarios quote unquote boring to try to see Mm. if he can still make them great like is this a game that he plays with himself (laughs) Uh, what's the most boring thing Mike could do I don't know sit at a window and eat pistachios
1: yeah we'll make that we'll make that work can we stretch that to five minutes? <laughs> right. I, I I'm with I'm I'm totally with the with the listener here. I mean, like I said, this is this is Villigan's play box, you know? Yeah. He set all this stuff up so well that now he, he this is basically his experimental film phase. Yep. And he's still knocking it out of the fucking park. It's insane. Uh Barry C from the UK has
0: a question. He says, mm-hmm. Love the episode, but what actually progressed plot wise we know Gene hates his life in the flash forward. We know Jimmy is still is desperate for Chuck's approval no matter what he does. We know Kim is really conflicted about having any kind of working relationship with Jimmy. We know Mike is a very professional badass. We knew somebody was following Mike and come on we all know it's Gus. No complaints. I'll watch Mike read an instruction manual for another three hours compared to Romulans and tigers in the zombie apocalypse. Another <laughs> another swing at Walking Dead. Man. <laughs> Uh, probably well deserved but yeah, yeah i i mean that's i, a I fair... don't even watch walking dead so i, I wouldn't don't don't bother <laughs> uh but that 's a fair point, right like like I said it doesn 't feel yeah. so much like a big kick in the ass that a lot of um season openers have. It felt more like mm. just
1: this natural flow um it, yeah it 's a natural flow episode it does set up a lot of stuff though it does. basically yeah. it it's and you're right it 's a natural flow of the season finale but there's a lot of setup because the season finale had a lot of setup. It did. Yeah. So it's just getting that wheel starting to turn. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that a big thing that changed is that now, uh, Mike knows who's following him. And yes, we, as the audience, we know who that is, but that's going to kick off his arc for the season. We know that, um, despite the flimsiness of the tape recording that Chuck has a plan, that sets off Chuck's arc for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy's arc for the season is in question, I think, a little bit. Like, I don't know if we did a lot to set up what Jimmy's going to do for the season. But I guess Jimmy's there to react to Chuck at this point.
0: Yeah, it seems like it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's there to um, to deal with the antagonist who's basically Chuck at this point. So... yeah. I, I think it's a fair assessment. Not a lot, not a lot happened, um, but at the same time, we're the wheel is beginning to turn. Mm-hmm. So we're we're in a good place. I feel like as a, as a starting episode to a season, it it adds so much intrigue as yeah. a viewer that I'm hooked, and that's basically all that a first episode needs to do.
0: Yeah, I'm ready for more for sure. Yep. Uh, Doug L has some free legal advice that he says is not legal advice. <laughs> um, but but he is a lawyer, so he has some okay. actual insight into what Chuck might be up to here. All he right. says, this week did not feature much on the legal issues front except perhaps for Chuck's secret tape. As Howard correctly points out, the tape itself is virtually guaranteed to be inadmissible because it is illegal to record people without their knowledge, at least in California where I practice, and I assume that's true in New Mexico as well. Uh, what Chuck is likely looking to do is use what is known as the inevitable discovery rule as an end run around the fruit of the poisonous tree problem. The fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine holds that if a piece of evidence is wrongfully obtained, then not only is that evidence inadmissible, but so is any evidence that is obtained as a direct result. For example, the police search your house without a warrant and find some documents that bear the name of a second location, which is then searched and incriminating evidence is found. Even if a warrant was properly obtained for location number two, that doesn't help because it derives from the original improper search of location number one. There is no way there, – there is one way around this. Let's say independently of the wrongful search of location number one, you properly interview a witness who tells you about location number two. Now you can argue inevitable discovery, meaning that since you have a second clean source for the same information, the fact that the search of location number one was improper is irrelevant. You would have found your way to location number two legitimately anyway. Therefore, the incriminating evidence found there can be admissible. That's what Chuck is hoping to accomplish. The tape confirms Jimmy did something wrong. By letting Ernesto hear a snippet of it, Chuck is banking on Ernesto's curiosity, leading to some other legitimate trail of breadcrumbs to the same evidence. Of course, if Ernesto tells someone about the tape, that could still land Chuck in hot water. We'll see. What do you think about that idea?
1: That's strong. I mean that that aligns exactly with what we're talking about here, right? With with Kim ending up in prison, presumably, yeah. Um, it's it's kind of bullshit. I hate it as, <laughs> as a legal thing, <laughs> right? It, it seems like this weird loophole that you. It's can... It's a weird loophole. I mean, that that basically says that oh, we we obtain this evidence illegally. Now let's go f- try to find evidence that can become inevitable evidence. Uh huh. So yeah, that you can kind of, of sucks reverse from engineer a it justice standpoint, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, 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 I think that aligns, man. I think our, our theory here is, is fairly strong and I'm getting more and more outraged. (laughs) All right. Well, wait till it happens until you curse Chuck's name even more. All right. Maybe Ernesto's the one going to jail. Oh, poor Poor Ernesto. Ernesto's going to jail. And then your theory that Ernesto's related to Gus happens and then Gus kills Chuck. (laughs) That's it. God we did it buddy right
0: and then Saul feels terrible about it and Mm -hmm. I don't know
1: all right that's all I got and Kim finds a very handsome um well well well-off man who's very kind and compassionate and perfect match for her and they fall in love and move to Kansas City Yeah. okay and that's how she doesn't go to jail (laughs) <laughs> that's I guess that's the ideal end for Kim, right? That'd be a perfect end for Kim. Yeah. She so finds somebody who's not Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a hard time rooting for this relationship, honestly. And it's it's the chemistry is not there between these two. No? You don't think so? Not really, man. I mean there uh, was like last season there was a toothbrush scene where they were brushing their teeth. Uh huh and i found it kind of gross. I just i don't get any chemistry between Kim and Jimmy.
0: Well, i mean sharing a toothbrush is inherently gross. I agree with that. But man, i'd get a lot of chemistry from them.
1: I think they're great. I think they're great as like a a, a dynamic duo. Uh-huh. As a caper pair, a scamming... but not as a not as a not as a pair of lovebirds. Okay. They don't yeah. f- they don't flutter my flutters, man. All right.
0: Well, teach their own. I suppose. Uh that's all i got. <laughs> All right,
1: hey man, this was fun.
0: Yeah, it sure was. Um, if you would like to send in your feedback for next week's episode, you can do so at BetterCallSaul at baldmove dot com. Uh, I'll be compiling all that feedback into hopefully a larger feedback section. We didn't have a ton this time,
1: um, but I thought the ones we did have were pretty good. So excellent. Yeah, and I'll be back next week with an N at the end of my name, a longer beard, and a bit of a deeper voice, <laughs> and, a, and a weirder <laughs> accent. Perfect. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Eric. See ya. Bye.